everybody. Welcome back. Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of the underdog and the underdog fantasy family. We say this every week, but that's the best way to remind you is to use promo code TRIPLE. They will match your deposit up to $100, a dollar for a dollar, five for five, ten for ten. You get the gist of it. And you're going to be hearing my voice a lot more because David is on paternity leave, is official. He had his kid. He's posted about it on the Internet, so now I can break the news. Uh, I did want to tell you guys. So I told David when his daughter was born, you have to break your news by saying, you got the call. Welcome to, welcome to the big leagues, kid. <laughs> and at 3.16 a.m., David sent me that text. That's incredible. Yes, uh, shout out to, to David and, um, of course, his wife and his little one. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's safe. It's, it's awesome. We're all, we're all celebrating here. And we have a new member for the Triple Players Ball next year. As David will for sure sign her up and draft two teams for him. So. <laughs> and that Laffy here is the third member of the team. Little Cheesecake VLC, a.k.a. Art TPF. Art, what's up? Oh, man. I, I'm excited this week. You know, it, we just found out this morning that we were going to have a trio, a menage a trois instead of a menage a quattro this evening. But, uh, but you know, we 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 can hold it down without David. He's got he's got important things to take care of, um, and we're gonna we're gonna keep bringing that that fantasy content to the to the to the people of Triple Play, the listeners. Yeah, and Art put it best. Whether it's three or four of us, we're gonna give you analysis every week because it's the grind time of the season. It's mid August. Yes, A lot of people have checked out. But this is the time where, in, whether it be your home league and you're fighting for a playoff spot or you're trying to move up in the standings in a main event, that we want to help you try and win your leagues. And with that, we're going to start with our WOW Players of the Week. And we're going to start with Detroit's own Kerry Carpenter. Over his last seven games, 385, 448, 885, triple slash, with four home runs, five RBIs, six runs, Three walks to four Ks, no steals, but he's batting 412 over his last five games and the four home runs give him 16 for the season, which is 10 more than he had his rookie year. Marty, this is a team that is near and dear to your heart, both proximity and, uh, from an interest point. So it's only rightfully so you talk about Kerry Carpenter. I think I'd have to. Um, he has been one of the shining stars in what is a very desolate and scary uh, Night nice guy here uh, in Detroit. Uh, Kerry Carpenter, 25 years old. X Wilba, 82nd percentile. He's bearing, barreling the ball at a good clip. XBA in the 78th percentile. You talked about the 16 home runs, slashing 286, 347, 521. He's playing almost every day in that lineup. Um, he's one of the few good players there. He's got to be scooped up. He's already gone in 15 team leagues. Um, 12, 12 and 10s. I would take a look at him right now. Marty, if you're someone that hasn't had their trade deadline pass, do you think he's someone that you would be targeting as a buy low or a sell high? Or do you think if you have him, you roster him? Yeah, I would, I would hold on to him because I don't think, unless you're in one of my leagues, because that's, I have a lot of people from Michigan and Detroit in them who know that Kerry Carpenter has been doing pretty well. The normal national, you know, the people in your league aren't going to be uh, picking up on it. They'll think it's a flash in the pan. So hold on to him. You got him for absolutely nothing in a deep league, in a five outfielder league. You were just, you know, you couldn't be happier. So I would just, yeah, in uh, the Yahoo uh, default trade uh, deadline was the 10th of August. So most, most leagues are done trading. But, yeah, if you can, get him. Why not? But I would just hold on. Okay. Where would you rank him on in terms of Detroit Tigers hitters right now? Would you say Torkelson is one, Riley Green is two, and he's three? Uh, Riley Green one, Tork two. I've, uh, yeah, him three is fine. Okay. I mean, that's saying something. Somebody that basically came out of nowhere, and Marty's ranking as the third best hitter on a team that has actually been overperforming this year. And the, the, the Tigers brass, the front office, actually really likes him. They didn't even include him in the trade deadline. Well, love to hear it. Love to hear it. Art, we're going to stay in the division and go with Royce Lewis over the last two games, and it's a small sample size, 571, 667, 714 line. No homers, two RBIs and a run, two walks and a K. 
one steal. He's returning from an oblique injury that sidelined him six weeks. This is a guy that has torn his ACL multiple times. Um, actually healthy while Byron Buxton isn't. It seems like you'll never get him on the field at the same time. But what are your, your expectations for, for Royce Lewis the rest of the season? I think Royce Lewis is going to be pretty good whenever he's healthy. He's what now he's been hitting over his head since he start, started coming. He has a 449 BABIP on the season. I hear that's pretty good. Uh, where I come from, 449 is decent. Uh, but he's, he's backing it up his zone contact rate, 84%, right about league average. Swing and strike rate is 12%, kind of justifying that 25% strikeout rate, but it's not, 12% isn't terrible. One thing I do like about him, his home run for fly ball has been at a solid 18%. That helps because Lewis does not hit a lot of fly balls. He sprays the ball around, which should help his batting average. But uh, I do think he has been given a lot of luck. Now, this luck has carried over from the beginning of the season before his oblique injury. But uh, he's not going to carry this 449 bad football season. But I think he's he is a must-play in all uh, all formats as long as he's healthy. That's the big caveat. If he's healthy, which history has shown that he has not been healthy for long periods of time. So I think if you're banking on him to be productive the rest of the season, then that's fool's gold there. But ride the hot stretch while you can. Exactly. Stay in the American League with Jonathan Aranda. And he's only played two games for the Rays, and he could have more playing time in his future. But it, promising in the minor leagues, a 339-449, 1.062-slash, 25 home runs, 81 RBIs, 82 runs, but just two steals. And he's played in four games across the two stints in the majors this season, um, going three for 15 with an, a double, two RBIs, and two runs. I think he's somebody that you're going to add for the, uh, the playing time. And the Rays have magic with the hitters. I saw a stat on ESPN the other day. Eight players have 15 or more home runs, which is the most ever. So I think the Rays are very good with just developing hitting. He's going to be hitting in a, a lineup with plenty of run and RBI counting stats there. Um, you know, they are contending for a wild card spot. It's not like they're running away that like they were at the beginning of the year. Um, and those are actually leading at the division. I am encouraged in the minors this year in AAA, a 14.7 walk percentage which is higher than we've seen for his career, which hovers around 8%. So he's someone that I'm adding from the playing time perspective, and I think will probably be useful the rest of the year. Now going to the pitching side, I will not get tired of saying this name. (laughs) Emerson Hancock. His last start with the Mariners, five innings, nine hits, five earned, no walks, but only one strikeout. And he's only struck out four batters over two starts in the big leagues after averaging close to 10 strikeouts per nine in the minors. It does seem like his rotation spot is safe, at least for the time being, with Brian Wu still on the IL. And the Mariners have been playing really great ball as of recently. Julio Rodriguez has been surging that offense. So as long as he goes five, it seems like he's getting the win. But Marty, what do you like about Emerson Hancock? Well, looking at his um, game log, so going back to the Padres, his first start, five innings pitched, only two hits, one earn, the three walks and the three Ks, and then going to Kansas City, gave up the, the five earned over the five innings. So uh, I think Ks will be a little bit lower than his innings pitched, whatever that is. If he goes five, expect four. If he goes six, expect five. Um, but I want to ask you guys, moving forward here, from here on out, um, who would you rather have? Would you rather have him or Jack Flaherty rest of season? Hmm. Are we playing? Are we playing? Are we playing? Are we playing in a points league or a roto league? Uh, I, I thought roto, whether it's roto normal or head to head categories. Uh, in a categories league, I would take. Um, I would probably take Jack Flaherty still. If it was a points league, Jack Flaherty is so volatile. That I think his he's more prone to bad outings than Hancock at this point. I it's a tough one. I I'm trying to I know Flaherty came out and pitched well his first start for the Orioles. I'm just trying to figure out how he's been how he's done since then. Tough outing his last time against the Padres. Yeah, he he's so, he, he's so yeah. up and down. Um 
but I don't like I don't I don't have full faith in Emerson Hancock just yet. Those low strikeouts mean his margin for error seems pretty low for me. I think I'd go I think I'd go Flaherty and close my eyes. Yeah. So that that puts in perspective. Fifteen team leagues, obviously you're firing them up. Twelve teams, you might have them just to see if you might be able to see a flash. What is expected from the Mariners is having a six-man rotation once Wu comes back. So expect his starts to be sparingly and maybe four or five innings. Yeah, well said by Marty Party. And, you know, at this point, with pitching, it's kind of like who's healthy, right? Oh, yeah. Especially if you're in, like, DC 50 or whatever. You know, you're just trying to hold on. If you picked up Hancock off the waiver wire last week, you're a desperado. Yeah. And he can get you a win. I think that's important to note too, is especially for that category, you want to go off people that are at least going five innings on good offenses. Sometimes that will bail you out like they did with Verlander yesterday, different team, but with Astros gave up four earned five runs total and still got the win. But sticking with the pitching side, we have Javier Assad and his last outing, five innings, three hits, two earned, a walk and four Ks. And then we look a 3.12 ERA, a 1.27 whip, 45 to 26 K to walks through 60 innings. Now that does include three starts and 18 relief appearances this year. He's been in a swingman role. We've seen a lot of teams do this. We've talked about Nick Pavetta um, doing this as well. But right now, Javier Assad seems that he's likely to stay in the starting rotation. And with the way the Cubs have been playing, I don't think they're making any changes. LC, you're the homer. What do you think about him? Um. I think he's a good-looking guy, for one. That's the first thing I'll say about him. I think he's an athletic pitcher that does help him with his fielding, and that's led to some fantastic highlights. You'll see there's one from last season when he was in Double uh, A, I think, where he uh, a bunt was pulled down the first baseline, and he went to field it and dropped it, and he managed to kick it to the first baseman to get the out. It was a fa- maybe the minor league play of the year, but uh, I think. As far as as a major league starter, Assad is, uh, with the Cubs actually being a decent team, he's a team streamer, and his, uh, coming up, his starts are pretty juicy. But I also look at him as someone who has an 18% K rate and about a 10% walk rate. That 8 uh, K minus walk rate is not too good. He gives up a lot of barrels. So, um, he is good at, he is good at inducing soft contact, but, Besides that, I think that there is the chance for blowups in his future, though I do think that he is um, he's pitching really well now. And uh, I'd start him against uh, it, I'd start him against poor hitting teams, but I definitely bench him against any team that is that's that's doing well. He's not the type of person I trust against good hitting teams because he just gives up a lot of hard contact. But uh and uh, and you're not going to get K's with him, so that you're not going to get that sort of like boost, even if he gives up some runs. So for me, start him against the poor teams, uh, but bench him against anyone who's halfway decent. Sounds like risky business. Now mm-hmm. yeah, that's definite definition of a streamer. And a lot of times when we talk about pitchers in this segment, these aren't guys that are widely owned in leagues. It's guys that might be speculative or have just gotten promoted. Or have had a couple of good outings, and then you decide whether you want to have them long term or whether they're just somebody that you're going to plug and play. Talking about the last one, what a face that David shows for this one, Zach Littell. His last outing, he's been a uh, a bullpen guy that's been turned into a starter. Five point two innings, three hits, two earned, no walks, and five Ks. This with his four straight outing as a traditional starter. And he's allowed seven runs over 22.2 innings in that span. He's gone five, six, six, and 5.2, 15 strikeouts to one walk. His walk percentage is in the 99th percentile. He is someone that I, I'm interested because the Rays would start him for or have him pitch one or two innings, but now they're having him go five or six. They're not even using him as a bullpen game guy where he goes once through the order. They're now trusting him twice through the order. Now, I do think some regression is going to hit. His ERA is 3.99. The expected ERA is 4.69. So we're talking about seven runs or seven percentages of a run higher. Um, at home, he has a 5.82 ERA. And just being in the trot myself, 
It's a pretty uh, hitter-friendly park. The BABIP is 387, so that will probably go down. Um, but I think he's someone that is going to be matchup dependent. Uh, and, and like we said a couple minutes ago, you're really kind of looking at the health of uh, pitchers at this point. But he's definitely someone I would add in a 15-team league. 12 team, I think it's someone that you would definitely want to stream. 10, I don't think I'm touching him. Yeah, I'll say with him, um, they need him. McClanahan going down, another injury. Like they, they're the race that have they finally ran out of pitchers? Has it finally happened? We need a 30 for 30 about this race pitching staff. It's been pretty wild. I know they target people who are coming off injury. That's why they're cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. They can fix them. But even the people they drafted. Yeah, it's just no pitcher is safe from arm issues. And uh, you uh, knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't happen with Aaron Savale, friend of the pod. But yeah, it just seems like them more than any other organization has significant arm injuries. Maybe we need to get uh, Aaron on, back on the show, ask him some questions, see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, we need a 30 for 30 on that pitching <laughs> staff documentary. But um, no, good good talk, you guys. We'll go to the next segment, just talk about quickly some of the most added. This is courtesy of CBS every Thursday morning. We have Kerry Carpenter up 31%, Emerson Hancock, Chase Silseth to 58% roster. He's a guy that has been showing out recently. He's probably been the best pitcher in the Angels rotation over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and I, that, that, I, I agree with that. That's after they traded for Lucas Giolito. Zach Geloff up 20%. Graham Ashcraft up 19%. Matthew Libertor, that Ooh. will probably go down after his last outing. I told you to sit him. He was a must-sit. N- thanks, but no thanks. I hope yeah, you listen, Mar- guys. Mar- Mar- Marty knew against the A's. It was a ticking time bomb. <laughs> oh, my God. I started him. I started him. And no. <laughs> it was bad. It's bad. <laughs> Marty is shaking his head as he puts himself on mute. Nick Pavetta and Brandy Singer ring out the list. And then conversely, most drops. I knew Marty was going to mention it at some time. Shane McClanahan Ugh. down 23%. That's brutal. I, I'm, I'm going to just get on a soliloquy for a minute. Please I do. was, I was supposed to see Justin Verlander when he was on the Mets facing the Orioles. He then gets traded. I'm supposed to see Shane McClanahan last week for Shane McClanahan bobblehead giveaway. By the way, the bobblehead is great. It's, I saw a picture. It's a great bobblehead. Throw it up on eBay. Get some cash. I, I, that's what I'm doing with my girlfriends. I'm keeping mine. <laughs> but I, I, I'm supposed to see him. I, somebody else's probably last game of their career. It was very eventful. But very, very <laughs> upset I didn't get to see uh, Shane McClanahan. And I almost caught the last ball that that person ever made contact with. It was a foul ball uh, in the ninth inning, and it landed about two feet from me. Man, you could have retired that on been, that one. That would have been crazy on that. <laughs> I looked at my phone because I would have snagged it and not given it to a kid. <laughs> Probably would have now. Um, going back to this list, though, Nestor Cortez back on the IL, dropped 21%. Alec Manoa, what lost year for him. Cutter Crawford, Drew Smiley, who's now working out of the bullpen. Reed Detmers, who we'll talk more about later, but just turned in a great outing as many people were willing to give up on him. Jose Abreu, about darn time. He's on the aisle with back issues. And Seth Lugo, down 9% as well. Any of those names surprise you that were not injuries? I know that's probably the majority of the list. Um, No, that all makes sense. I don't know. Did something happen to Seth Lugo? Did he get hurt? Or he just I think he just sucks. I think he just sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not injured to my knowledge. Yeah. And then looking at the schedule for next week, uh, especially if you're in John Legaza's, uh MLB survivor pool, you'll want to look at this. The only team that has five is the Brewers. Every other team has six or seven. Eight teams have six which means 21 teams are playing seven games next week. So for streaming purposes, look at those teams that have seven and make sure you get some of those hitters in your lineup. And now we're going to bring out your dead. Everything's fine. Bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. Thanks, everyone, who responded to my tweet this week. I'm here for you. 
bringing my death card along for you to throw on the bodies who are crushing your fantasy roster your and your chances this season. Uh, as I said, Matthew Liberator was on my fantasy roster on my uh, on the, my Earth League, the Darth team I'm on, and uh, trying to trying to get get back up there, trying to get some wins. I need wins so bad. The Cardinals are playing the A's, and Liberator went and struck out eight in his last went eight innings strong in his last start. Of course, can't can't shut down those pesky A's. He's on the death card. I'm throwing him on there. I don't even care if he's dead. I'm taping his mouth with duct tape. Get him off my roster. He's crushing me, and I hate it. Uh, got a few other people uh, brought in. We have uh, Doc bringing up Eloy Jimenez. It's time. You know, Eloy, another tweaked groin. Another tweaked groin from him. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dave Funnel from Fantrax, I think, said it best when he says, very tongue-in-cheek said Jimenez shockingly hurt himself while moving his body on a baseball field. <laughs> uh, by the way, Dave Funnel's injury reports on Fantrax are must-reads. They're, they're really wonderful. Uh, they give you the lowdown every day of, of the injuries. But he tweaked his groin while running the first base. This is the uh, fifth little injury that he has faced this season, a hamstring in April, an appendix in May, another leg injury in June. Uh, and now this is his second little leg injury in August, a heel and a groin. Not sure how much time he's going to miss or if he's going to miss much, but these little tweaks, they're not helping his performance. He's not, he's not doing terribly. He's certainly not crushing your team when he's playing. He's missed a lot, but he's not, he's not hitting the heights that we had hoped he would hit this season. 110 WRC plus. Only a 772 OPS. That's not what you're getting Eloy for. Wait, Art, can I ask, and you and Marty, what would you do with Eloy at this point? Like, would you drop him? Because he's hitting for good average post-All-Star break. He's not hitting for much power, and he's not going on the IL. He's just day-to-day, which means he's a roster blocker. Uh, Doc, have you been hanging out with me in my my morning poops as I sit there and look at my 10-team league and say, <laughs> do I drop Eloy Jimenez or not so far? I'm not going to drop him right now. Because we don't know if he's going to go to the um, IL. But more importantly, this weekend, he's at Colorado. So yeah. just hold on a moment before you do drop him, if you have him. And if he goes on the IL, you have to drop him at this point. I mean, time is of the essence. He's Absolutely. He's, he's laid you down. Absolutely. I think Marty said it right there. Because Colorado's juicy. And uh, and also, Eloy's, he, he's got that big boy power. He, he, he hasn't done it yet, but he's, he could have a couple of those five home run weeks and could help you down the stretch. You need that power. I think, I think he's too good to drop unless he goes on the IL, like Marty said. Um, another person who seemed, who seemed droppable, but then of course takes a no hitter into eighth inning last night is one Reed Detmers, uh, suggested by Dave Mendelson. Reed Detmers, this is this seems to be the way with him. You never know which one's going to show up. He'll go on hot streaks, and then he'll go on cold streaks. His last two starts before this fantastic outing, he gave up 14 earned runs in, in uh, on, on 16 hits in something like six innings, um, four Ks and five walks in his previous two starts with 14 earned runs. And then he comes out against the Rangers of all teams, the Rangers. And takes a no hitter into the eighth last night. That is what, uh, last year listeners to bring out your dead will know that that is a badu. That is an old, an old school badu where you bench a player and he puts in the performance that you've been hoping him that he would be giving you the last few weeks. That's what Detmers did because no one was starting him against Texas after what he's been doing and Texas being so, so good on the season. No one got that great start from him unless they were DES Pret. Uh, uh, and if you were, I feel, you know, you got 99 problems, but a Detmers ain't one. I'm glad uh, I just got to old takes expose David on that. <laughs> uh, what it, I don't, I don't understand. That might be a, t- a Twitter thing, uh, or an old, ex- old take, old takes exposed is when tweets don't age well and they yeah, there's oh, a Twitter dedicated to it. Yeah, they do a good job. Know. Yeah, so if it's like, you know, Skip Bayless had something like, uh, Johnny Manziel is going to be more memorable in Cleveland than LeBron ever was. 
And wow. so, so then they like revisit that and it's like old takes exposed. So when David was saying it's time to cut dead Murs, he should have his name engraved on the bring out your dead stone. And then he has his best outing of the season. The yep. irony. Yes. Uh, real quick, a bad do from last week was Mitch Keller. I benched him against the Braves and whoever else he was, uh, he was lights out all week. Thanks for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and just to our go to, back to our point about Eloy talking sports with Murph said he's on his bench now. His teams are strong at the moment. If you have the luxury, yeah, you definitely yeah. do that. I do think if you can put him in for the weekend series, though, if he's healthy, that's a good one. Lukey D, third person to, to write in, says the entire St. Louis Cardinals team is dead. Uh, I, I, uh, I tend to like this take. Because uh, I don't like the Cardinals too much. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. But I, I did find a, a fun sticker you can purchase where St. Louis says St. Louis, a drinking town with a baseball problem. Um, and I like a town that'll, that'll, that'll make fun of itself like that. Interestingly, it, the, the Cardinals 54 and 67 on the season, negative run differential, projected to have tied for the best record in the division. After trading away all these players, they have a four, they have the, the, they've given up the seventh most runs in baseball in the season. Projections, I don't know how this comes out. They're projecting them to pitch much better for the rest of the season and give up almost two-tenths of a run better. The one thing that you can say about St. Louis is do not stream against them. They have the second-best WRC plus in baseball over the last two weeks. But I am pretty shocked that, uh, that uh, the, the prognosticators, the people who are projecting the rest of the season, have the, the Cardinals finishing out the season stronger than both the Reds and the Cubs were well ahead of them in the standings. Um, I wonder, I think that might be just some St. Louis Cardinals love. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to finish out strong after, after, uh, all the trades and the, and who they're throwing out there as pitching. But, um, but, you know, Lukey, I don't know if you're a Cardinals fan. If you're, if you're struggling with this season, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, not sorry though. But uh, throw Isn't him on the cart. Uh, a White Sox fan? Yes, he is. Yeah, that's right. He's yeah, a White yeah. Sox fan. That's right. Well, Cardinals. Yeah. So let Luke get on the other side. Let's heave him onto the cart together and take <laughs> him out to the pit. Uh, Cardinals. Last team on the last person on the bring out your dead for the week. Um, interesting. I, I I'd like to see if they can pull pull together a, above five hundred the rest of the way. Uh, over under on that, I, I think they go under 500 the rest of the way, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the person who's in charge of, of they got with these shut out by Jose Quintana tonight. They're going under. Quintana's been pitching pretty well. Ah, uh, come on. To not get a single run off of him and make me lose a bet because of that. <laughs> yeah, there it is. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There is always something tied with the gambling. From there, great job as always, Art on the bring out your dead, and uh, you know this is a therapeutic session where we can just rehash that. Um, but looking forward, rather than looking back about people that have caused you pain, we're going to go to Marty's two star pitchers. Take it away, Marty. Let's do it. So these are the two star pitchers coming for next week, which is between August twenty first and the twenty seventh. Uh, starting with the no doubters for next week. Luis Castillo at the White Sox versus the Royals. Blake Snell versus Miami at Milwaukee. Uh, Zach Gallen, who's now the leader for the NL Cy Young. So we'll see how that goes. Thanks, David, for nothing. Uh, versus Texas versus Cincinnati. Uh, Framber Valdez versus Boston at Detroit. Clayton Kershaw at Cleveland at Boston. I know, Dave, I know David hopes two of those guys do awful. Uh, which ones? <laughs> Gallon and Snell. David David's hoping that they're a risky business. <laughs> Wait, is he going against them in the uh No, the, I mean Gall Gallon and Snell are two of the guys well, that's that are true. fighting for Cy Young. I know I guess Snell is technically in it, but Snell I feel like Snell's whip is a little too high. It's like one point two six, but yeah, he's, been, walks are up he's been he's been lights out since June. Yeah. Yeah, he's been I mean, at one point he was a, almost a must sit. After those four or five uh, starts, yeah, now he's in the Cy Young race. That's that's Blake Snell for you. Uh, should starts for next week. And, dude, this is a who's who of people I never thought would be in it. Um, not Andrew Abbott. Shout out to him at Angels at Arizona. He's been really good lately. Um, he's staying away from the uh, Great American Small Park. Uh, still a rookie, but, I mean, he's he's had a really good year. 
Aaron Savale, friend of the podcast. Shout out to him. Versus Colorado, versus New York at home. I love both those matchups. Yusei Kikuchi, if you remember last year, I had many feuds with many different people all over this beautiful nation. And now, fast forward a year, he's a should start. I His walk percentage, it's completely down. He's like a brand new pitcher. I don't even know what to expect. Uh, at Baltimore versus Cleveland, I'm scared, but at what he's done, his XERA, the expected stats, his stuff, everything checks out. So I would fire him up. And then lastly, I fought with this one, and this is the one I want to talk to you guys about. Jordan Montgomery, I don't personally have him in any league. I stay away from that profile, the you know, limiting hard contact, uh, not walking people, but never striking people out. Those Kyle Hendricks, you know, people, there's always four or five of them that do really well all year, but I don't know which ones they're going to be at Arizona, at Minnesota. I'm firing them up. I say you should start them. What do you guys think? Do you guys have any feelings either way on that one or just you should start them? The, uh, both those, uh, they're both uh, under uh, below average teams versus lefties. Well, the, the Twins struggle and they have the most strikeouts in the majors. So I feel like the Twins have two results. They home run or they strike out. Um, but I can't imagine you bench Jordan Montgomery at this point in the season. Like you, maybe you don't roll him out with as much confidence, but he's gone at least six innings in six straight starts. And that's two sixes in a row. Let's not say a third one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He, he, he has an identity. He has an identical stat line almost every time he pitches besides last outing where he struck out nine, which was a season high for him. I mean, it, it's like six innings, six hits, one or two earn, gives up one home run, one or two walks and five to six strikeouts. Yeah. He forced me to put, I had him at risky and I, I, I looked at it again. I'm like, I had to push him through to should start. I, I think even I'm talking about even in a 10, 12 team league. Are we mm-hmm. starting them, Elsie? Yeah, I, I think so, especially because, like you said, the Twins have been hot against righties, but they still are not that good against lefties. And I think Arizona's been pretty cold as of late as well on the on the whole. Yeah, just on the year. Um, now, just for my listeners, or for our listeners, when we talk about, like, where do I go for my um, outlook on team stats? With lefties, I do the whole year. And... I know you should do most recent. I do that with the righties, but left-handers, man, there's some, there's a month sometimes where you may not even play a lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I kind of draw that. Uh, that's where I look to um, as far as left-handed percentages there. But yeah, both are below average. So I, I know. I, and, and Marty, I mean, to that point, I think teams do it too. I was reading a stat today that Jason Hayward is one for 18 on the year versus lefties. And they were saying how it's not a large sample size, but it's large enough for them that they're never going to have him play against lefties. Yep. Yeah. With lefties, I just, with left-handers, I feel like the more stats you have, the better, um, just because it can be a little bit, uh, a little bit lower there on that side. All right. Uh, going to the risky business, eh, ignore Nick Pavetta. He may or may not start twice. We don't know yet, uh, but he's there and he looks great. And this is the same graphic I used last week, so I didn't have to switch it out. So part of it was laziness. Um, but Bailey over at Milwaukee versus Texas, I feel like he's like been dodging landmines for the last three months. And I just, at Milwaukee's tough versus Texas is tough. Uh, down on the farm, Vinny, what do you got for us, buddy? Mackenzie Gore and Matthew Libertor have become must-starts. I can't tell if he's sarcastic. I don't or know not, either. Because they both had bad outings last time. I, I, I would... Vinny, I'm going to go with the fact that you're being a smart ass, and I love you, and I actually agree. They should be must-starts, too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, risky business, other uh, pitches for next week. Bryce Elder versus the Mets versus San Francisco Giants. Jack Flaherty versus Toronto versus Colorado. Everything tells me to sit Flaherty, but he's been honestly unlucky. 346 Babbitt. Um, the stuff's not that bad. Uh, if he can, I'd sit him, but most of the time you're going to have him in the 15 team leagues. So you're probably going to play him. And then, uh, your boy, uh, uh, LC, Javier Assad at Detroit at Pittsburgh. Normally I would completely sit him, but those are two really good matchups. So if, if you're desperate, uh, fire him up. And then I will the ta- say the one thing yeah. about Flaherty is the O's with him and Kyle Gibson, those are like the innings eaters guys. Yeah. Like they, they want them. Flaherty got pulled after three because he was just getting shelled against the Padres, but. They want him going at least five or six so that they can save the bullpen days for, you know, the Kyle Bradishes, the Dean Kramers, you know, the, the young arms that are probably setting career highs for innings. 
So I, I think just a note about Flaherty on that is he will probably still go deep in the game regardless. So I love that. So points leagues still uh, give him a, a arrow up. Roto leagues, if you do not care about your ratios, like yeah. you're like, dude, I don't care. I just need wins, maybe some Ks, and you know, pray that Jack Flaherty can help you out. So okay, good. Um, and then lastly, the take a seats. There's been a lot of take a seats this last week, and uh, here are the ones. There's a ton for next week here. Uh, Johan Aviedo versus the Cardinals versus the Cubs, two of the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, Mike Clevenger versus Seattle versus Oakland. Cutter Crawford at Houston versus the Dodgers. Matthew Libertor, shout out Vinny, at Pittsburgh, at Philly. Uh, Luis Severino, I didn't even have to switch this out. He was, uh, he was going to take a seat last week, so I, I got to keep this. Versus Washington at Tampa Bay. Noah Syndergaard versus the Doyers at Toronto Blue Jays. Reese Olsen, Detroit Tiger, who got picked up in my uh, 10-team league because people like the, the Tigers too much in my league, and he got blown up, of course. Versus the Cubs versus Houston, no way. Uh, Paul Blackburn versus the Royals at the White Sox. If you're extremely desperate in a very deep league just because of those matchups, maybe. But Casey's been actually really, really good the last couple weeks. Uh, Johnny Cueto at the uh, the Padres versus Washington. Tyler McGill at the Braves versus the Angels. Uh, Tuki DeSant versus Seattle Mariners at um, oh, and then versus Oakland. And then Alec Marsh versus Oakland at Seattle. Bailey Falter versus the Cardinals versus the Cubs. And... What was the last one say? One's a little Ty Blotch. Ty Blotch at Tampa Bay at Baltimore for your take a seats for next week. Anybody on there who you might you might push up to a risky business? I would do Clevenger because he just had a good yeah. outing. And I don't have a problem. And he faces Oakland. Yeah. In Seattle. What, what's Seattle been? I know we're See, Seattle has been good, and and J Rod yeah, the had last a, two weeks 127 WRC plus. So I think that's that, what that, that's, that's what led by J Rod a five for five game today, today. A four hit game yesterday. Yeah, I want to ask you guys: Is there a worse starting pitching matchup this year than if you had Luis Severino versus Adam Wainwright? Oof. Like, think of the ugliest starting pitching matchup, and think of one that could be worse than that. I mean, worse yeah. than that, Jordan Lyles is he is he going to be? In Jordan the- Lyles has been okay though. <laughs> been okay. He, he hasn't he hasn't gotten. I mean, he had. I think he's the leader in losses, but he just doesn't get a lot of run support. Yeah, but like I think uh, Wainwright's ERA is close to eight, and yes. Severino's is very close to seven. Yeah, I mean, you're you're pushing. That's pushing it. Oh man, yeah, I, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, did, yeah, it seems like Vinny agrees on Clevenger. I, I hope, I hope I'm right so I can have my one, uh, victory lap on Vinny. And then, um, Bryce Elder has lost a small toucher, not giving up on him. He's done me solid this season. Bryce he has Elder, been really good. He's been doing his best. Martin Perez, Dane Downing, you know, yeah, like, well, Dane Downing, dude, 12Ks last time out. I couldn't believe that. Art, shout out to, uh, what is it, Madagascar 3 or whatever you're watching. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Yeah. But yeah, dude, I got to watch Dan Dunning, uh, TED Talks. You know, I don't know where you are. I'm actually scared because you should be here right now. But, um, yeah, he did really well. That was funny. Yeah. So I just, and, and the one thing about the two star pitchers, they change all the time. Um, you know, when I was yeah. doing, when I was doing my research today for the weekend streamers at 11 o'clock, Grayson Rodriguez was starting Sunday. And then by two o'clock, they bumped him to Monday. So if they're doing that on a Thursday, just keep that in mind for uh, next week. Early Lance Lynn with Bryce Elder. Okay, I can see that. Going to the doctor's office. And look, you know, I owned the results last week. One and one, uh, 1.37 whip, 5.3 or 5.63 ERA um, in 16 innings. It's. You know, when you pick three pitchers, sometimes one can just kind of go awry. But well, remind me, what your wasn't your ERA at like low threes? It was like three point. It, it was like three point five five. It was really Yuri Perez was the the culprit last week. Mm. So hopefully, I don't have any this week. But we're starting off with Christopher Sanchez, who's owned in eight point nine percent of ESPN leagues. The last fifty innings. 3.42 ERA, 1.0 whip, and 43 to 9K to walks. Now he has given up a decent amount of home runs, and that is a little bit concerning. But the Nats are 29th in home runs and 27th in walks taken. So Christopher Sanchez's strengths coincide with the Nationals' weaknesses. 
So I like this as a matchup. And over his last 11 starts, he has five plus innings in nine out of the 11, three earned or less in 10 out of the 11. And he's still fighting for a rotation spot. Philly might go to a six man rotation, but I think he's someone that could be on the outs. So I always like someone kind of pitching for their job. The next will go Kyle Bradish owned in 48.8% of ESPN leagues. And Oakland is batting 213 at home this season versus 233 on the road. This game is in Oakland. And over the last nine, they're four and five at home, 26 runs scored over those nine games. That's less than three per game. And in July and August, Kyle Bradish has pitched to 49.2 innings pitched with a 2.38 ERA. And now he's pitching on seven days rest. And the A's are 29th in home runs. Kyle Bradish has allowed 0.89 home runs per nine. So once again, I love the the matchups, and I think it's favorable for him. And the last is Gavin Williams, and this is kind of a creepy pick if you look at it. Owned in only 22.7% of ESPN leagues, and unless you've been living under a rock, his last two starts, 22 strikeouts, 10 and 12, but over three starts in August in general, 17 innings, three earned, 28 to 5K to walks, and the metrics back it up. He's in the, uh, if you look at his StatCast page, it's going to be a bull because you're seeing a lot of red. And I had to look this up and I'm trying to find another site to maybe validate it. But Progressive Field has the least amount of home runs this year at 86. And the next highest is at 114. That just doesn't seem right. Hmm. I went to Progressive Field earlier today or earlier this year. And no, I wouldn't have guessed that either. That seems wild to me. So. If, if maybe if somebody wants to double check, in fact, I tried finding a couple sites. I don't want to count everything out manually. Marty, I looked at this because I've noticed the Tigers have had the twins numbers. And I feel like sometimes divisions, there's just one team that always beats up on the other. Do the Guardians kind of beat up on the Tigers? I would feel almost everybody does um, to a certain point, And definitely lately since, I mean, with the last five, six years, would, like the the Guardians starting rotation has been incredible. And so, the Tigers have been terrible. So, so I, Detroit is batting 224 on the road this season, 235 versus righties. Against the Guardians for this decade, they're averaging 3.6 runs scored per game, which is considerably lower than almost any other decade. In the 2010s, they were averaging 4.3 runs per game, which if you think about it, if you're playing a team 12 to 15 times a year, that adds up. And it seemed, I think their, their record is like 20 and 33 against the Tigers and the, or against the Guardians in this decade. So sometimes the Guardians just have, you know, certain teams have other teams numbers. Yep. Their pitching was so good for so long. And yeah, the Tigers haven't spent on hitting in years. Yeah. It was a perfect storm. And then <laughs> as a Sox fan, Sale versus the injured list is a comical matchup. Chris Sale versus jerseys he doesn't like and scissors is a great three-way. I will, I was so happy that Sale got blown up today because Matty Wood in our Glarf, uh, he's second, I'm third. Nothing made me happier to see that. <laughs> the Nationals are a team that I won't bet against. They are just so, they'll get no hit against Michael Lorenzen. And then they'll just tee off of like Sandy had one strikeout against them earlier this year. Yep, they're they're like in that uh, that perfect feeling like they're so bad that teams just overlook them, and then sometimes it's, you know they get rolled. Patrick Corbin outdueled Chris Sale today. That's what you need to know about the Nationals in the Triple Players Ball. I drafted Patrick Corbin. Uh, I think my forty ninth round pick or whatever it was, and I haven't started him yet, but I could have like a handful of times easily. And you know what? As much slack and as you, I... And, and you messaged me. You go, a wasted pick. It was a wasted <laughs> pick at the time. Patrick Corbin has eight wins and a 4.71 ERA. That's worth a 49th round pick. I'm swallowing my pride <laughs> on that one. 48th round, maybe that would have been bad. But yeah, good, good, good pick in the 49th round, Marty. <laughs> Is Patrick Corbin on your party list this weekend? Uh, no, no, no Patrick. He's uh he's a little too old for the party there. I don't want to you know I don't want to kill the vibe here. But yeah, let's bring up the uh the Marty's party. 
All right, as always, guys, I'm going to give you three streamers for this upcoming weekend. And the weekend's going to be August 18th, 19th, and 20th, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All three of these guys, I feel like they're a good stream this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to hop into it here, give you a little bit of a breakdown, uh, starting starting with C. Well, uh, yeah, CES. So Christian and Carcion Strand, first baseman for the Reds, 41% rostered, and that's dropped 20, 30%. You know, I, I, he was part of that, that wave where all these rookies were hitting the ground running, and he got scooped up for tons of fab, and he let a lot of people down because they expected that, uh, that Ellie De La Cruz bump, and they didn't get it. But, um, uh, three games at home versus the Blue Jays. The last week, he's got two home runs with a 340 OBP. Uh, I love that he's at home. You know, in that ballpark, playing every single day. The uh, the Blue Jays, um, they they don't give up too many home runs, but anytime you're in that ballpark, I love that. Uh, number two is going to be Andrew Benintendi, outfielder for the White Sox, 34% rostered, three games at Coors. We already talked about it earlier. Uh, White Sox at Coors this weekend. Benintendi hitting second in the lineup every day over the last seven days. He's five for 20 with four runs and a 348 OBP. And I'm going to call it, guys, either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night. Benintendi's hitting his third home run of the season. All right. Yeah, Next three games, when he hits a home run, when he hits you, his home run, text me and just say, you're right, dude. You're going to make me bet on it. <laughs> you're you're, 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 you're going to plant that idea in my head. Hey, it's not bad. If there's ever a time, where a guy who bats four or five times every single game for three straight games can do it. It's at Coors. Uh, shout out to you, Andrew. I hope you do it. And then lastly, on the other side of the ball, Nolan Jones, first base outfield eligible on Yahoo uh, versus the Rockies. He's on the Rockies. 29% rostered, three games at home. The last two weeks, Jones has three homers, 10 RBI, 346 OBP, and a max exit velocity in the 97th percentile. And the White Sox give up the fourth most home runs in baseball. Now, a lot of those are from Lance Lynn, if not a big bulk of them. But even Cease, they have a bullpen game on Friday. Um, so I, I really do like um, uh, Nolan Jones. So for uh, for this weekend streamers, if you have them in your league and looking for a little bit of a boost, Nolan Jones for some strength, for some homers, uh, CES, same thing. And Andrew Benintendi, get you some runs, maybe maybe a stolen base, and, I, and I'm praying for a home. So those are your three for Marty's party next weekend. Or this weekend. Next weekend? This Wait, all, this all, weekend. Three, all three are getting in the They're party? They're all coming, man. Yeah, dude, we're just going to – we're shoving them all. Shoving yeah. them all. But Beware of pitching this weekend. Marty just picked three people that have great matchups for hitting-wise. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right, well – that sounds like a pretty packed party. Three people there. Marty, your parents out of town this weekend. Is that why you're inviting a, a large crew? That's exactly it, man. It's just going to be me and the boys playing a little bit of Madden. All you right. always do. Oh, five, because I'm a gentleman. I was going to say, uh, the new Madden suck. Don't get those. I heard. Yeah, I barely. They couldn't even get out the release on time or something weird happened. I haven't played that game in a decade because they don't change it and it sucks. Me and David used to camp. This was a good three-year stretch. Me and David used to camp out uh, when it released on Midnight, midnight. release party? Of course. Oh, oh gotta gotta find out the soundtrack. That's true. Dude, the two thousand five soundtrack. So good. All right, Art. Finish us out with some stats. I love Art's charts, formerly known as this segment. <laughs> yeah, no more charts this year. Um charts got to be a bit too cumbersome because there's not always cool enough stats to create a fun pie chart. That that uh or at least I don't, I don't always have the vision for what the pie chart's going to be before I start creating it. It's like, you know, and I just didn't want to bring subpar pie charts to our listeners. And, and that's, that's not how I roll. So what I, the way I do roll is I bring you guys, uh, my picks for, for streaming hitters next week and one start streaming pitchers in case you're in one of those types of leagues where you just want to put some names down your bid list. And you want some names that you can feel a little bit of confidence in. These are those names. And I'm going to tell you why. So we'll start with the hitters. And a couple of people, uh, very happy to see on this. Akio Badu looking pretty decent lately. Pretty decent in Detroit the last few weeks. 294 batting average with two home runs and a steal. He led off last night for them. Uh, I think he's a pretty good 
pickup for next week. Detroit, uh, uh, I think he's going to do well for you. He's been hitting well. David Peralta, 11 for his last 30. Does not play against lefties for the Dodgers. However, the Dodgers face five right-handed pitchers next week. I feel like David Peralta will do both good outfield pickups. Now, a little bit of a speculative one. J.P. Martinez for Texas was only supposed to be up for as long as Travis Jankowski was on the paternity list. But he has played and hit so well that J.P. Martinez has earned a spot on the roster and will not be sent back down. Keep an eye out. He's been hitting really well. They're going to try and work him into the lineup. But J.P. Martinez, maybe a dollar ad for you this weekend. Corner infielders, guys, I like Torkelson. Widely available in a lot of le- in a lot of 12 teams and, and ESPN leagues. Spencer Torkelson, someone six home runs over the last two weeks. Just really, really doing well. Michael Garcia, the other corner infielder that I'm looking at. 340 over the last two weeks with three steals and 10 runs. Uh, Garcia, Michael Garcia also has middle infield. He's a shortstop as well as a third baseman. Um, middle infielders who I'm looking at, Elvis Andrus coming back at you just like it's 2022. Chicago White Sox, 364 with 13 RBIs over his last two weeks. Andrus has really been hitting well for the White Sox. And uh, Pablo Reyes for Boston. He's a second base shortstop hitting 371 over the last two weeks. They can't keep him out of the lineup, hitting electric, game-winning home runs. He's now going to be backing up Tristan Casas, so he hopefully he'll be getting some time at first base. Maybe he'll get some corner infield eligibility before the end of the season. But as it is, he's hitting his way onto the field, hopefully. Uh, he's speculative like J.P. Martinez, but uh, Andrus is if you need if you need those at-bats next week, get Elvis Andrus. You want someone who I think has the potential to be a key cog in a, in a, in a, a playoff race. That's Pablo Reyes, but I don't think he's going to get the ABs that Andrus is. Next week, streamers. Now, I got some good targets. I got three pretty good targets to put down your waterfall bids. Widely available in 15-team leagues and uh, 12-team leagues on uh, on uh, on NFBC. Hyunjin Ryu uh, is placed in Cleveland. Hyunjin Ryu has a 2.57 ERA and a 1.07 WHIP since his return. And uh, Cleveland is still continuing to have a little bit of a tough uh, tough time in the last few weeks. Only an 80 WRC plus. Uh, I like Ryu next season next week for his start against Cleveland. Cole Irvin. Uh, Colorado's coming to Baltimore, and Cole Irvin looked pretty sharp in his first start against Seattle. And uh, Colorado, thirty uh, K percentage over thirty in the last two weeks. Worst hitting team in all of baseball over the last two weeks, and they are on the road in Baltimore next week. For Cole Irvin setting up on a platter for you, Cole. I also Jesse Schultons. Someone who's been a little, there's a little bit of buzz about old Jesse Schultons of the Chicago White Sox. Quality start each of his last three and a 17 to 5K to walk right over his last three starts. He gets the Oakland A's coming to town next week. I like that pickup and he's, he's been doing quite well. Other guys I like, not quite at the level of the top three. Brandon Fott has been pitching pretty well, although he's had some inconsistent results. For the most part, he's been putting some strikeouts up and getting you five to six innings, though his ERA has not been great. He gets Cincinnati on the road. Cincinnati's been pretty cold over the last two weeks. And them on the road, I think, is a nice matchup for Brandon Fott. So he's someone who I'm going to be putting far down, dollar, $2 bid on the waterfall. Zach Thompson for St. Louis. Now, Thompson's an interesting one. He's just been called up. Thompson had 41 Ks and 39 walks and 36 innings in AAA. So, He's got one of those, uh, what you call a live arm. Did you say 39 walks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was over 10, <laughs> over 10 walks per nine. I'm not even uh, mad. That's impressive. Since he's come up to the bigs, he's at four walks per nine. And he's striking out over 30% of the batters he's facing. Uh, if you need some strikeouts, he's at Pittsburgh. Uh, Thompson 
looking pretty decent. He's, he's, you know, with that, with that minor league results of those walks, I, I was a little bit wary. He's pitching pretty well, though, getting those Ks. I think at Pittsburgh's a nice little K grab if you need those from Zach Thompson, St. Louis. Uh, that's who I got. Hyunjin Ryu, Cole Irvin, and Jesse Schultens are my top targets with Brandon Fott and Zach Thompson as like my backups on the one-start streams for next week. Hitters are Badu and Peralta. Uh, with JP Martinez is a little bit of a stash. Hopefully he gets some time back. He was hitting really well. I got Torkelson and Garcia as my corner infielders, middle infielder, Elvis Andrews and Pablo Reyes. I love the JP Martinez call. He's someone that's been flying under the radar in a really good Texas offense. Art, right, while you were looking at that, I was going through some names and I want to see if there's any ones that you can add. Cause look, we're in week 20 of the season. Yeah. Um, or we looking at week 21. And I think at a certain point now, especially in redraft, you have to cut bait. So I looked through some people that were still rostered in some leagues that I've been that I think that you can cut with no hesitation in redraft. Marcus Stroman. Yeah. What is, um, what's his injury like? Is he just, cause I, he just went to the IL, right? Is he going rib, for... rib cartilage fracture? Yeah. Yeah. See ya. Nestor Cortez. See ya. For yeah. Shut down for a month. Yep. Joe Musgrove shut down for a month. Yeah. I yeah. have no problem getting rid of him. And, and here's another here here's another one. Um and I'm not saying that you necessarily drop him right now, but something to look at. Jonathan India. Yeah. Jonathan, I don't have him anywhere, so I haven't really been paying close Jonathan, attention to him. Jonathan India had a setback with mm-hmm. his uh foot. He had plantar fasciitis. And a report just came out today that he is very upset with how the Reds handled the Injury. Really? They said, they said wow. no. They said no activity for a week. And when doing rehab, he, um, the, he reaggravated the injury and he went to a different doctor in Los Angeles where it showed a more significant tear. And they said, you should have not done any activity for two weeks. So that makes me think from an injury perspective, but also is he going to trust the Reds organization? And it's not like the Reds need him back at this point. Hitting is their strong suit. And they've already said he's available. So I'm yeah. sure there is no trust. Like, like if, if, if you're Jonathan India at this point, you know, or do you want to come back for a, a team that you're not willing to trust the, the medical staff on? Because let's say you get hurt and you aggravate that injury even more. That could impact your ability to get a big contract or for other teams to trade for you in free agency. So I, I'm not saying that he doesn't play. But I'm more skeptical now than I was a couple weeks ago when he first got hurt. Yeah, plantar fasciitis also is a type of injury that really lingers and is going to affect performance because you can't really get rid of it. You just have to rest it. So uh, with that kind of injury, yeah, I, I think he definitely comes back to play, especially if the Reds stay in this in this uh, division race. He's going to want to be on the field. But, uh, yeah, they they – they uh they have a lot of good middle infielders already. Yeah, next year he'll be in his first year of arbitration. So I'm not sure. I mean, nine most of the time you just hold on to him. This is you know this is great news. But with everything they've added in the last two three months, I don't know. Um, my guess is he'll be moved in the off season. I I think it's inevitable at this yeah. point. And I, yeah, I mean and this is crazy to think of last year when we saw the Reds um, hitting. And just their organization in total and how much of a 180 they've done. Um, it's amazing talk- what happens when you try. Yeah. India will be That's out weird. in Cincy after the season with McLean doing well and I won't play yeah, him in this really, season. CES. It wouldn't, honestly, it wouldn't even surprise me if they re-signed Joey Votto to another one year deal. He has more in the tank than I thought he had. So, but we're coming up to the hour mark right here been a great show the three of us and it will probably likely be the three of us moving forward but before we sign off marty art anything else to leave the audience with no i just want to thank them for staying with us all season this is the time to win your league as much as you can don't be watching preseason football there's no reason to do it all right just right read the recaps you'll be fine we're triple play uh, fantasy and i'm going to tell you don't watch preseason football either. yeah there's just yeah it's yeah there's no reason to do it, but no, but seriously, uh, thank you for everyone for watching for, uh, this week for the entire show. Those who tune in and then comment on it. We appreciate you so much. Thank you.
Here, here. Well, we'll be back at you next week with another good show with no David. Maybe we'll have another guest, though, and keep giving you that analysis for that playoff push and trying to help you bring home the trophy. But for Marty, for Doc, for Elsie, we're going to steal David's line and say we're going to make like a bread truck and all these buns. See you guys week 22.